Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your party time here at Star Style, be the star you are. Hello, power partners. We welcome you to our informational playground brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. We're your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you are listening to us live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We want to catapult you from wishing upon a star to imagining your dreams as if they're real and just becoming the star you are. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. You can visit the website at btsya.org. And this is from Natalie Goldberg. Stress is an ignorant state. It believes that everything is an emergency. (laughs) Sometimes life kind of feels like an emergency. We were just talking off the air how crazy the weather has been. Here in Northern California, it was 107 on Monday, and today it's like down in the 40s. And, you know, you have to have fireplaces, (laughs) and it's raining. And you've had similar down in Southern California, but kind of more tropical. Yeah, you know, I guess that is just California and everything that's that's been changing. I feel this year, uh can't guess can't speak for the other states, but for California, we've really uh kind of had mixed up seasons all the way around. In December, we had 100 degree days, in May we had, you know, 50 degree days and there, you know, it finally snowed up in Tahoe, you know, just a, about a month ago. Um so yeah, it's kind of been a mess all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, nobody can say that there's not Something going on in Mother Nature, and whether it's global warming or what it is, but something is definitely happening. Well, today's show, we are going to be talking about some medical billing errors in segment three because um, I've had a couple of errors happen and I want to tell you how it can affect your credit. I'm also going to be telling you about selling style, whether you think you are a salesperson or not, you are. 
everyone is their own best salesperson. And so we're going to learn how to tap in to a lifetime of selling success with just a few little tips. But right now, in Health Matters, Heather's bringing us something that's really fascinating. It's how technology has the potential to keep us healthier, whether it's apps, smartphones, virtual doctors, personal monitors, video counseling, whatever it is, you know, all these electronic medical portals are the new normal. But are they useful or what might be harmful? So, Heather, I know you've got the lowdown on this, and, you know, just because all these things and these tools are out there doesn't necessarily mean they're the right things for us to do. How does somebody get started? Uh, Well, yeah, so back in uh, 2011, which I actually experienced, for the most part, um, I don't have the information in front of me of when one, uh, this is also to be transferred over to, but a law was passed saying that records need to go from being paper records into electronic medical records. And working in a uh, medical office, I can tell you in the beginning, you know, the first cut is always the deepest. Uh, We were a, a pilot clinic, meaning we were one of the first people in the state to kind of test out um, this new stuff. And again, going, you know, when you're using one thing for a long time, it's really hard to make that change. As we all know, when we've had one kind of computer or we do things um, one way, it's really hard in the beginning. And then well, over change, time, I think change adjust. is always hard, but usually it's a sign of growth. We just have to yeah, get exactly. used to and, it. And, you know, in the way things change and improve and you figure out what does and doesn't work. And as I said, we were a pilot clinic, so we got to firsthand kind of test out um, these things, seeing what was and wasn't going to work. But um, overall, there was a certain law that was passed that I, I believe it might be 2016 or 17 that all, um, uh, depending, I think there might be some slight clause if you have a, a limited amount of patients or what the number is, but that um, medical records need to be moved over to this electronic databases. Um, kind of just some of the drawbacks things is that things can be expensive, especially, you know, for uh, independent doctors, you know, private practices. But as we know, how many times do you think about when you go to the doctors that they may have lost your chart or there's things missing? I know firsthand of working in the offices of how we would have this pile of how um, we'd call it marrying charts, so that, you know, someone come, we couldn't find their chart, so we'd start a new chart for them. Then it gets misfiled. The thing is that it's hum- human error, and as we know, that falls on both things human and computer error. So many times, just as you were going to, in your uh, final episode when you're talking about, you know, billing, so I won't get too deep into that, but a lot of things are, as we know, when mistakes happen, it's just, you know, someone hits, instead of a three, they hit a four, and that messes up the whole system. That makes it, everything's wrong. So things like this happen. So the positive things of this is that now doctors um, also, too, you know, a lot of times people have different health plans. They're going to all different doctors. They might have one doctor that they see for their eye, one doctor they see for their gun ecological health, one they see for muscles and brain and whatever it may be. Um, a lot of times doctors may have you on various medications or, uh, you know, certain things were discussed with doctors. This now sort of opens up um, one that within their own database system, and let's say, for example, if you go to Kaiser, which is a kind of overall thing, um, an HMO style, um, that all those doctors within that plan would be able to access a chart so that they could see what's going on. Um, it's also similar for a doctor if they're not in the, the same thing, if they don't all have the same database thing, that a doctor's office could come over or could, could contact them and as simple as, 
email or faxing over, could fax over, you know, these important information so that they don't have to, you know, it kind of saves patients time that they don't have to go get these clearance. All this kind of stuff kind of go through. Um, as you know, it makes you a quicker access for doctors. It can help speed up your visits. How long do we know that we're filling out paperwork and so many times we come and we say, you know, I filled out this paper, I filled this paperwork out last time. Um, and, you know, sorry, we lost that. So it helps. It speeds up things. Um, the drawbacks of this, too, is um, computer hacking. For the most part, you know, we feel um, that this is, you know, even safer before because things after so long, doctors purge charts. I mean, they get rid of the charts even though they go to, you know, uh, quote-unquote safe things or you know, things will be shredded and protected. Things can happen sometimes. Possibly maybe someone broke in. And as you know, our medical records are just as dangerous as having, you know, your Social Security. That has the most personal information. It has your Social Security number. It has your birth information. It has your address. It has everything possible um, within your medical record. That is your really your most vulnerable information. Um, well, and, and you know, besides that, it has all your medical records, which although you cannot be, uh, you know, discontinued from insurance because of any kind of medical thing, there's nothing to say that you there wouldn't be a prejudice if an employer or you know other people knew about it. You know that so exactly. there's a lot and, you know, of danger, and that's, and that's you know personal personal stuff. You know that those are things. Um, even if we may think you know we don't, there isn't. It's just those are the things. It's sort of like you know why we wear clothes. It's just you know there's certain things we don't want exposed. Good analogy. I like that. Need, <laughs> you know we don't need that information out there. And, um, but, you know, the thing with it is also that that's very easy. Someone can open up credit cards. You know, a lot of times uh, when you go to open up a credit card or to buy things, uh, if it's done, you know, online or not in person where they don't need to see an actual photo ID, sometimes they ask, you know, uh, beyond Social Security, what's your maiden, your mom's maiden name or, you know, some uh, something, what uh, height, you know, kind of those random questions. Well, all that kind of information is in these things here. So, um, you know, the things that can happen are both ways, but they feel that now that these new uh, systems are very big firewalls, but as we know recently in the last year of how all this stuff with presidential files, you know, that sort of CIA information being leaked, that anything is possible, that people are getting much more smarter and that nothing is truly safe, but they believe to the best that these are safer systems. And we do get those letters, you know, every now and then. They're constantly, it's amazing to me because I don't even understand how people get to um, want to be the hackers, but to be these people that create the systems to protect it. I mean, how many times I had something actually that, though I don't feel that anything's been compromised because I had been treated um, under a certain uh, health care or insurance, I got a letter from, I don't know, Blue Cross, something saying that my record out of, you know, that out of the millions of others may have been, you know, possibly um, activated. <laughs> David. Right, I understand. David, you know, I just, yeah, I just so. actually got um, a notice too from uh, you know a card company about a breach um, that happened, and I just think that what you were saying earlier, I think breaches are happening more and more frequently because I actually think that there are thousands, if not millions, of people out there who are hackers and who are actually employed by governments to be hackers. So I don't know if anything's really safe all the time. And, you know, and something then, too, also, so what you were kind of starting with even in the beginning there is 
So, you know, kind of saying going from that we have, uh, what do you call it? So in our office, you know, in the offices, things are getting more advanced. But in the times that we can't get to the medical office, that we can't go to the doctors, what does that mean? What, you know, how, how do we treat these things? How do we, we, as we know, we often turn to our friends or the Internet as our first doctor. How many times we have a bump, a lump, and a rash on our body, we don't feel good, that we call our friends, we show our friends, we say, you know, what does this look like? What, you know, what do you think this is or what should I do? And let's say for the most part our friends are not doctors and they don't know. And then we go online, and I'm saying the Internet is a great resource of things for, uh, for information, but it's also a horrible thing when you're looking for something potentially wrong with you because you type in, you know, earache, and you could find out you have brain cancer. I mean, there's so many things that instantly our minds think the worst, and, and I think oftentimes, you know, when you start reading things, you start to think, oh, my God, well, I had a headache. Oh, my God, I'm dying. So uh, they make all, you know, these kind of apps now that uh, certain things, too, that you can actually you talk one-on-one with a doctor, I think those are the best. But they have these kind of self-almost-diagnosed things that you type things in. Um, the thing with that is for sometimes these things um, aren't really medically based. They're sometimes, you know, using the light of the phone or the vibrations. Um, it's, I would really chance those with them. I don't think um, they're accredited. Um, but they do have things that help now um, sometimes with certain, I want to say it's with Kaiser, with certain things that you can be sort of like um, doctor in doctor's hours, like on the weekend, you can have basically a FaceTime with a doctor. Show right, I mean, it's like you can have a live chat, them. right? Yeah, exactly, a live chat thing, which I think is fantastic. I think there's so many times you just need a quick answer, and sometimes when you, you know, you're talking uh, on the phone with them, you know, just you know, at the front desk, um, without someone seeing it, you know, they, it's, it's really difficult. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't want to go in the office just to find out, you know, it's, it's no, not a big deal, you know, take some anti-inflammatories and you'll feel better. So they do have those things. For the most part, they're at no cost. Um, you just have to get sort of a waiting time put on it. And it's sort of that thing of how um, during the weekends there's uh, certain doctors that are on call or you might hear there's a nurse line at certain hospitals that you call and there's a nurse, um, a nurse practitioner that can uh, answer any of your questions for you. And, and I think some of the insurance like, companies are actually offering their service now to try yeah, to keep no, people out of emergency a, rooms, right? I mean, a lot of the health insurance, they have uh, this line you can call and they have doctors and nurses that are available. Exactly. No, and, exa- and that's, that's the thing, too, is that there's so many things that don't warrant in an emergency room. As we know, there's all these laws passed that everyone has to have health insurance, and there's different tiers now. But it, things are still expensive going for doctor visits and just check up. You know, for the most part, a lot of people still, you know, just use their health insurance really as those big major things. Um, more um, uh, preventative care stuff has become now uh, free or at very discounted prices through insurance and this whole kind of, you know, whelming over to make people more healthier and take better care of their health. Um, and I do think, you know, that actually, that, you know, there are certain things beyond that are just health-wise, I think, are good apps. I don't think the ones that are actually diagnosing things that are just kind of typing in, but I think things that other things that keep you on track of just healthiness, they offer probably hundreds, if not thousands, various fitness um, apps and things that remind you and all these to move and, and count your calories, which I think those things are fantastic. Um, my husband and I, we just recently went on a hike this past weekend, and I think the thing's called a Fitbit or something. It looks like a watch. You wear it, and it's, um, you know, it's 
measuring your heart rate and all these kinds of things because it's yeah, Fitbit is really big. I mean, they have a lot of commercials yeah. out with yeah. that now. And and at night, you know, you plug it into your phone and it records everything. And you wear it, like when you're sleeping, it will tell you. It monitors all these things of like when you're sleeping the most, when you're not, when you're active, and it tells you how many steps you've taken, uh, how many calories you burn, what's your heart rate. And for me, I felt even though it was on my husband, so technically it was going by him and not, you know, and, and we're burning and doing things at different rates. But um, for me, I felt so inspired of like, wow, we we did that much and we burned that many calories. Like those things I think are great. And they're just little reminders, I think, for people of being healthy and keeping track. People need that sort of, oh, wow, I walk so much. And, and having these goals almost of, okay, I need a, to walk a 1,000 more steps to reach It's actually an incentive, isn't it? I mean, if you see how quickly you uh, those things add up, you actually want to do more. Is that what you were finding? Exactly. Com- complete people, uh, you know, there's a thing, we, we want this motivation. We want something that's self-recording. That's why, too, you know, a lot of you meet with nutritionists and people are saying, you know, I don't know why I'm overeating. Or uh, a lot of times we feel like we haven't eaten a lot in the day or that we don't, we don't account for the little, little bites here and there. So they say we start keeping food logs, which is, and there's actually apps for that where um, for a lot of people, you know, who might, uh, I know Weight Watchers have something, a lot of people that are on these diets, that instead of counting calories, it's sort of points. You know, a brownie is three points versus an apple is one point or zero points, and you have this kind of point thing for the day. And they have this, I mean, technology just blows my mind that you can take pictures of things and it will sort of, you know, find it through its database. Okay, that's a Domino's slice of pizza, or it will have all these things of kind of what um, the expected calorie rate is for that or what's this point worth. So you kind of know you can stay within your, your goals and your limits. And I know for a lot of people it's really challenging once they've, you know, sort of stick to this healthy, you know, routine now, going out into the real world. When you're making your own food at home, um, one thing I've noticed actually that I am incredibly sensitive to sodium and salt and that I feel when I eat out, I just feel really puffy and run down. As we know, salt makes things taste delicious, but I'm really sensitive to it. And when I cook at home... Salt is just and when you eat out a lot, there usually is a lot of sodium included exactly. in the food because that's what gives it flavor. Exactly, and that's that's the thing. So that's what's so hard, I think, for a lot of people is when you when you eat out, it's different than you preparing your meal. You knowing exactly what's going into it. Um, of course, what makes food so good is they use lots of fats and oils and salts. So these are things, you know, that can kind of help people stay on track and help them sort of navigate through a menu or eating out or portion control with things. Um, I think those are the things that are really helpful, that kind of keeping people in shape and, and motivation things. And, I mean, they have, uh, you know, even apps where you can listen. Sort of, I did one with a friend that's like yoga on the go. You're not watching the video, but you're listening to, um, you know, it's this uh, podcast basically kind of thing of someone leading you through instruction. And I think those things are fantastic. For, for bar method, you know, we have, um, you know, bar online, and there's, you know, an app for that. So you can watch it from your phone. Basically, you can do these things anywhere you go, which I think is, those are, those are the things that are fantastic. I think people need to stay clear and be a little bit more weary of the ones that you're not meeting one-on-one with doctors, but things that saying, you know, that they're able to cure things or doing things. I think those are sort of the snake oil type ones. Um, but overall, you know, my general consensus of just with all this health stuff is I think, you know, the changing with the times if with everything, our health, our information we know about health is constantly improving the way our health is performing. I mean, just think before of how 
surgeries, um, you know, things that used to be, you know, cause people terrible scarring afterwards or used to be really big procedures are now in and out things that there's no downtime that, you know, that even with doctors at the medical care is that um, those really delicate uh, procedures, you know, where they're in heart tissue or brain tissue, um, they actually have these robots, basically. The doctor is controlling these things, but to get into those very delicate uh, places that they have in you know, these precise robots that can do this. I mean, those, and those that is what things. is so amazing, and that is what's wonderful. I think that there's technology coming down the pike that is going to really help us stay healthy and, and as you said, be less invasive. And people just have to learn. I think they have to keep on top of what are all these ways to monitor our health or to get treatment or to work with virtual doctors etc. Because if it's not in the forefront of our mind, we're not going to remember to uh, experience it, right, or to do it. Completely. And, and too, you know, I think if people are a little bit weary or what things to do, um, so many, I mean, I, I think doctors, everyone is getting on board with this, that even if you're resistant to it, this is the how things are changing. I personally am someone, not that I'm resistant, I just feel so behind the time. I am so just not with everything when it comes to, I feel like I'm, I'm just learning some of these apps and some of these things, and that's just so, you know, things are, there's constantly just new information always coming out. So I think the best thing that you can do is just constantly be seeking that new information and seeking reliable um, resources with that. I know just even, within, even just going to the doctor that they offer things, uh, even for CBS, for getting uh, refills now. I mean, talking about the convenience of technology, they have where you don't even have to physically, you know, go into the pharmacy, that they have these drive-up counters. They have the, you know, if you're in a rush and you want to drop it off and you want to come back, um, they send this automated text to you. It will tell you. You can refill your prescriptions online. You can do it, you know, automated services. I think those are things that are really powerful and positive, and I think that people need to embrace when it comes to... um, You know, I have a question with this refilling of prescriptions because we have, there's such a problem or issue out there with uh, people getting prescriptions from various different doctors and then filling them at at various different pharmacies because they might be addicted to some pharmaceutical. Um, And what my question is, and I don't know if there is an answer to it, are all the computers linked up now with your Social Security number or something? So if CVS, for example, would send you a text saying you can renew, I don't know what, what, I don't even I can't think of a drug right now. Um, if you, you know, you're going to renew like a sleeping pill, and then uh, and Walgreens sends you a text and says, "Okay, renew it." I mean, is there is there any kind of cross-referencing um, that you're familiar with? Yes and no. Things are getting more sophisticated and more difficult. But also, um, when people are doctor shopping, when people are in fact seeking out uh, doctors for to get multiple amounts of medication, whether for personal use or for resale, as we know, um, uh, which is interesting. You know, we'll have more shows regarding these things, but when it comes to, you know, addiction medicine, when we talk about drugs, the most addicted and abused drugs out there currently are prescription medicines, and it's happening that, you know, kids getting That's why I asked that question is because prescription medicines, yeah, those are the worst. What can we do about um, it? Because heavy cold medicines, um, things that have Sudafed in them, 
uh, have become is a key ingredient to make methamphetamines. Now, um, when you go to a pharmacy, um, you have to be, I believe you have to be at least 18, it might even be 21, um, to purchase certain medications. I think some because they have, you know, quote, quote, the alcohol in them. Um, but it actually monitors how much uh, you've purchased. And I believe it's, it may just be through that own um, uh, store system. So if you go to Target, I know one time I was really sick and I had to buy DayQuil and NightQuil because um, I had school and work. And they had to do my ID and they scan it and it kind of has a record of how much I've, I've bought in the, in the last month or whatever because they want to make sure you're not going around They actually and scan what? Your driver's license for that? They That's send interesting. Your driver's license. But when it comes to prescription medicines, the kind of the thing is um, is that people are truly doctor shopping and going around. For the most part, people are not going to use insurance because what um, the First thing is that insurance would deny one that you were going to another doctor and saying that um, you're already, you know, we're already, we've already been billed for, you know, I don't know, Oxycontin uh, yesterday, you know, 600 pills or whatever. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount. You know, 60 pills for the month. Why are you now going somewhere else and having another thing? So what people do is they will pay, they will see doctors, um, you know, out of pocket. They don't want to go through insurance. Sometimes doctors in, um in-house, they have their sort of to kind of help people um, to, to kind of uh, speed things along so people don't have to now make another trip to the pharmacy that you can pay a small fee, $10 to do in-house pharmacy and that you can just use the pharmacy that they have in their local, in their clinic or in their hospital thing, um, which is good for convenience, but it also sometimes there can lead loopholes and gaps in between this monitoring of the system. So yes and no with your answer, some things um, it can be, but um, usually people when they're at, they can be pretty crafty about it. Um, and so if you're, you know, choosing if you're paying out of pocket and you're going to a different doctor or if doctors have, um, you know, in-house, uh, in-house clinics, um, that, you know, these things can kind of, kind of get left behind because it isn't completely. But for the most part, if you're using insurance or, as I said, these kind of for, uh, for because Sudafed, uh, these things that, you know, are, are used to make other drugs, um, there's been such a big push for that that now your ID is used for it and there's this whole kind of monitoring system um, so that, you know, and a lot of times too much stuff is um, these kind of heavier, this stuff that has that heavy cold medicine is kept behind the counter now. So even if you don't need a prescription for it, you have to go to the counter and that's also to help um, less, you know, thief things because people could run in, you know, you know, grab a whole aisle of stuff and run out. Versus now, this is stuff that's behind the counter, stuff that's locked up. It's more difficult for people to steal it first. So I didn't even think about yeah. stealing it. But that must have been interesting this year with this bad flu that has been going around, at least throughout California, where, you know, people literally had that terrible cough and cold for a minimum of a month and mostly longer, a month to two months, so that they would say cough medicine must have been flying yeah. out the door. Well, this is really fabulous and interesting information, and it, you know, it made me think about the fact that we do have resources through our insurance companies to call them to find out what they might provide in technology, which is something I had forgotten about when I got bit by a tick two weeks ago, you know, I, I forgot yeah. to even think about consulting a, a physician through, um, you know, by calling or online. So that this is great, Heather. So if just to kind of wrap it up, what do you think are the major tools? What are the best tools that 
people really need to keep at hand, uh, to, you know, when, you know, for any medical need or any medical emergency, besides just rushing to the emergency room or urgent care? My better, my, honestly, I don't think, I think technology-wise, I think don't rely on these things. I think use your best sense of common knowledge of when you think you need to go to a doctor and when not. I think the best thing first is, you know, see if you, if you know, if there might potentially be something that you're aware of may have, call your doctor, describe the things, maybe look at one of those apps. The best thing is to always consult the doctor um, if there is something you're truly concerned about, if there's, you know, any uh, extreme amount of blood, loss of oxygen. I think the Internet, as we know, can be an awesome thing but also a horrible tool because we still tend to self-diagnose. Um, a lot of things they have, uh, a, actually a great tool, I would say, is that CVS, this is no plug for CVS, but they offer something called Minute Clinic. For most insurance, it's uh, completely covered. For me, I know I was able to get my flu shots, and other various things are completely free, but for other things, it can be anywhere from 10 to $20. And it's a nurse practitioner um, that you could come in uh, regarding certain infections to get certain vaccinations, coughs, colds, um, and you can come in, you know, really, you know, rash, let me show them, and you're in, you know, Minute Clinic is sort of an over-exaggeration, but I think I maybe waited 10 minutes. It's a very quick process. They can see you, either help you out, or they can tell you if you need to see someone else and probably seek further care. That's really so, yeah, good to know. Just, yeah, yeah, that would just be my recommendation with that. You know, that's really good. I didn't realize that the pharmacies had these Minute, uh, minute Clinics. I knew you could get your shots there, but that is a really good tip because... There usually is a pharmacy, you know, within a few minutes of most people who live in urban areas. So that would might be a first step when you really need some help. Well, thanks for all these tips, Heather. I, I definitely have to do my homework and figure out uh, the, the best way, the best things to use. But I like your recommendation of do not depend on the Internet and also, don't depend on your friends to diagnose you. They're not physicians. And in my experience, I, I have found that when you do call a doctor, most often, because, unless they can see you, they tell you, we need to see you. Just come in. So I think that's, a, that's also a good tip. Well, let's wrap it up. Give out the websites. Most definitely. Why don't you go to BeTheStarYour.com and BeTheStarYour.org. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about some selling strategies because whether you want to be or not, we are all our own salesperson. So stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening live to Star Style. Be the star you are. We are coming to you on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel, where we reach for the stars and we hope that you will too. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. 
925-377-STAR and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Get your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, I know that our first segment went a bit long, but I think it was really important. And thank you so much for staying with us. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network and broadcasting from the Empowerment Channel. And what we're going to talk about in this segment is how to create your own selling style. I know that as so many people, if you're not an actual salesperson, you don't like to think of yourself as one. And you just think, oh, you know, I'm employed doing this or I'm a writer you know, as I am, or I'm a radio host, or I'm a gardener, or whatever it is. But the reality is, is that we all have to sell ourselves. And I know, as an actor, my agent was always saying, you are the product. So you have to always put your best self forward. And whether you know, whatever, whether you think you are, or you think you're not, that people are going to buy what you are selling. So here are a few tips for successful strategies, because it means more than just knowing some sales skills. Because it's one thing to know sales skills, but it takes a lot more to actually move the prospect towards the purchase. And again, I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about services or um, or anything that, that could bring you value. And actually, even if you are working for a company and you're not in sales, you are selling yourself every time you're doing a good job. But here are a few things. You know, to uh, turn basic sales skills into a lifetime of selling success, you need uh, only to fully understand everything about what you're doing. You have to know all about your products, all about your services, but mostly you have to understand yourself and what makes you unique. So when you meet with successful people, you're going to find that they have one thing in common, and it doesn't really matter what field they're in. Each person who is successful in life has their own unique style. So defining your own personal selling style could be difficult and it's important to realize that your prospects and your clients are analyzing you and your style at all times. And as a result, even if they say they're not, by the way, as a result, they become both judge and jury. And for this reason, you need to understand that your selling style, if you want to move up the ladder of selling success. Now, potential selling style is shaped by our life's experiences, making it very personal, just like your fingerprints are personal. So to succeed, you must use this personal style 
and take advantage of all the things that are making you an individual. So this is a few tips, and it's not all inclusive, uh, and it's not should'ves and could'ves, but rather they're just encouragement for you because it's up to you to define and refine your style for your personal success. Now, the first thing, talking about personal, is really personal appearance. How we look to others creates a very powerful first impression. Thus, it's critical that we portray the image we want to leave with our prospects. So having observed a number of successful uh, salespeople, what I have found is that dress for success really does cover a wide spectrum. So there are ladies and men in suits who might be working in businesses. There's coveralls, you know, and overalls if you're working outdoors or in construction. Whatever it is that makes you feel the most comfortable and is the look for what your job is, that's going to make you more interesting. It'll make you the interesting part of your observation. So you want to make sure that... uh, that you vary what you're wearing, but you stay with a particular style that is suitable to you. So how do you decide what look is right for you? Ask yourself this. What is the appropriate attire for me to maximize my opportunities? Now, the answer to this is going to help you define what's appropriate. Now, don't forget that appropriate is different today when you're meeting with a professional couple than it will be when you are calling, you know, on contractors, for example. So I was thinking about this uh, while I was out of town just last week. My agent had sent me a text saying that I I had an audition. Well, I was out of town. I couldn't make it. So she wanted me to make a small demo tape on my phone and send it in. I didn't have any of the wardrobe with me because the date was supposed to be 1974. So I had to kind of improvise. So the style that I would wear in my, no, in my normal every day in order to sell myself wouldn't be what I would wear for that audition. So you really have to know yourself and, and, um, and know what's appropriate for the situation. Now, remember, too, that while appearance is important, there's a lot more to developing a, a selling style. Aggressiveness. When you hear the term sale aggressiveness, what I picture is like a car salesperson uh, because they are criticized frequently because they really are aggressive in, in selling style. My daughter-in-law was telling me recently that she and my son went to go look at a new truck and she was not interested in buying a truck at all. Uh, and he, my son was interested in the engine and the motor and all this. And the salesperson irritated her because all he wanted to talk about to her was uh, all the new technology and navigational things and things that would make her life easier. And what she was looking for was a truck that wouldn't break down. And so she was interested in the engine as well. So you have to be you know, careful on what your style is like. So aggressive style has put most of us in the driver's seat of a car that perhaps we really wanted to own, but would not have allowed ourselves to buy without the help of a salesperson, a great aggressive selling techniques to motivate us into that decision. So maybe in that situation, you need that. But, you know, and for most businesses, we don't need to be aggressive. Assertive, yes, but not aggressive. 
we can put people in the environments that they really want and allow themselves to enjoy themselves without our help and just motivate them along. So I'm not a big proponent of aggressive um, as, uh, as a selling style. I personally think it's a negative one. I'd rather just have somebody who's very upfront and very honest and uh, you know, I really feel that I can uh, trust them, and that's most important, I think. Now, when there's a strong tendency to give away our, our knowledge without any conditions being put on the prospect, people will assume that they can afford us, they'll assume they understand us, and they'll assume that they want to do business with us without being asked. But being aggressive about asking for the business, or more, uh, more likely being assertive, is going to give you better results. So when you ask people for their business, they you've taken out the assumption part, and then you really have put them in the driver's seat. So be in control by telling people what is expected and in what time frame. Do your best to create uh, an agreed-upon figure if you are dealing with dollars and cents. You don't want to give away too many of your plans because your solution could be some form of a fee. I was talking with the contractor who's working on my house, and he was telling me that his biggest bugaboo in the industry is being asked to go out to bid on jobs, to work you know, behind the scenes 20 to 30 hours, putting together a whole plan, presenting the plan, and then having the prospective client take it to somebody else, use his ideas, and then never book him. And I think that happens all the time. So you want to ask your prospect early to commit to doing business with you if you feel that you can solve their needs and do it in an agreed-upon budget. And when you have meetings with people, be assertive in making sure that the people have been asked in some way to verify that they're in agreement with what you're saying, that they understand your expectancy, and that they'll be making uh, their purchases from you or with you or however it is that you've set up your services. And then after you've heightened your the prospect's buying motives, then you're going to uh, you know tell them or you'll want to do business together. So don't forget that closing techniques are not designed to overcome poor sales skills. They're de- designed to just close the deal. So when you have a sense of excitement and enthusiasm, you want to evaluate your selling attitude because there really is no substitute for excitement and enthusiasm. And that excitement and enthusiasm about you and for your clients and for your company's ability to create and exceed expectations will rub off on other people. And, you know, many people don't want to think that they're complacent about selling, but the reality is If you really act like you don't care if you get the job or not, you probably won't get the job. So I I do know that even when I work with volunteers, the ones I want to spend the most time with are the ones that are really excited. They can't wait to work. They ask questions. They ask for help. And they want responsibilities. And to me, that is their form of selling themselves because they're making me excited about them. We want our, ourselves to be excited. We want our clients because we want to make sure that we are offering them something of value. So when you go out in to sell, just remember 
Keep giving your enthusiasm away is a good motto to sell by because the more you give away of your enthusiasm and your excitement, the more contagion is going to happen with those around you and the more it will be returned to you and that will be leading to greater sales success. So that is just a a little simple tool about uh, selling success. Now, uh, something... Uh, My friend and colleague, Libby Gill, who is also an author and a coach, had some advice that I thought was very fun that would really be helpful um, at this time of the year and especially helpful to to, uh, students who are graduating from high school or college. You know, because we're so often told, dare to dream, be yourself, follow your passion. And those are really great platitudes, and they've been around for a long time. For a reason, because they do work, but perhaps they're not thought-provoking enough these days to merit a lot of attention. So if you look back on ideas that you might actually find helpful to someone just starting out in the next level of life in transitioning, here are a few that she suggests, and I had to chuckle because I thought they were great. Find a financial advisor before you need one. Buy a used car more often than a new one. Hide a spare house key, take care of your teeth, and learn to embrace delayed gratification. And then just think about those kids in that famous Stanford marshmallow experiment. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They were given the choice of one marshmallow now or two marshmallows in 15 minutes. And the kids who handled a little delayed gratification, even though 15 minutes may seem like a lifetime for a kid, they ultimately were more successful in work and life as, they, um, as when they were followed So slow down, enjoy the road ahead, and all of you, you know, reach, just know you will reach your destination in due course, and then you'll get there and you'll have to set a new one. But sell yourself by being confident and patient and having a lot of excitement and encouragement and know your products and your service. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about some medical Um, errors that really could be fouling you up. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. What is a characteristic of a great place to work? Well, according to the Great Place to Work Institute, its trust between managers and employees makes the primary defining characteristic of the very best workplaces. When employees trust the people they work for, they have pride in what they do, and they enjoy the people and the work much more. The relationships between employees and management, employees and their job, and employees and other employees is the crucial factor in defining a great workplace. Employees cite having meaningful and challenging work in a familial and casual atmosphere with concerned leadership, along with the opportunity to balance work and personal life as being the most crucial for the ability to work hard and play harder. So remember that communication, feedback, and maintaining a level of professional high standards help people stand taller and feel more capable. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. 
I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information about booking a coaching session or a consultation, call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestaryouare.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. bethestaryouare.org. Be the lucky star you and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Power Party every single week here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. So now we are going to be talking about how to give your bills a checkup. In our first segment, we talked about technology and your health care. But one of the things that's happening also with technology is the medical billing mistakes that can be made and are being made. Now, odds are there is a mistake in the medical bill that has arrived in your mailbox. There was a recent nerd wallet analysis of uh, 2013 hospital audits by Medicare, and they found that an average 49% of bills contained errors, and that some medical centers messed up more than 80% of claims to Medicare. Now, what does that mean? Such errors matter more than ever to all of us because our insurance rates have just skyrocketed and the higher that insurance and the higher that our hospital bills are or our medical bills are, the more our insurance is going to be and all of this can take a lot of money out of your pocket. About a month ago, I had to have uh, an injection in my back, a spinal, a spinal injection, an epidural for an injury that I sustained. And I was absolutely shocked when I got the bill because I was there only about 45 minutes and the bill just for the facility, it wasn't even in a hospital, it was in a outpatient thing. The bill for the facility was almost $10,000. Now there were over 100 people getting the same thing that day because the doctor schedules them like boom, boom, boom. And they, they know you're in and out in a few minutes, and they just line you up like cattle. And I was really surprised. And so that arrived, and then on top of that, there was the bill from the doctor, and then there was the medication. All in all, this little procedure that didn't work, by the way, cost a lot of money. And I just didn't feel right that it was going to insurance, even though insurance was paying the majority of it. So I did call the hospital, and I called the doctors, and I questioned them. Now, the, what the hospital's reply was is that that's what they have to bill the insurance in order to get paid 
the amount that the insurance will pay that would cover their costs. So everything it didn't make any sense to me, but it sounds like things were getting padded so that the amount that insurance allows was going to be more than what was normal. In any case, you know, when things like this happen, we have to speak up. And we really do need to contact the medical uh, professionals and as well as our health companies because we're going to be the, in, uh, the ones that are paying in the end. Now, for example, if you're responsible for your first five to 10000 of your care, you're going to want to be paying more attention and be more attentive to your bills because billing errors can be really tough to spot. And then the hardest thing is they're tough for the remedy. And when there's a dispute, it can go on for months. And if you don't take the right steps, your account could be put into collections in the meantime. And that is uh, really, really bad. In fact, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau found that a whopping 52% of all debt on credit reports is due to, to medical bills. So here are a few steps to ensure a clean bill of health for you. You want to learn to understand your bill. Just like I did when I got it, I didn't understand it, I picked up the phone and I called it. So step one is knowing exactly what you're being charged for. If you can't tell from the bill, ask the provider for an itemized statement. And doctors use standardized numerical CPT codes to categorize treatments. And what I found is you can Google the numbers to find out what they stand for. So if you have a treatment number, just put it into Google or into your search into Yahoo or whatever and see what comes up. And if not, give them a call. If there are discrepancies like the thousands of dollars that I was billed, uh, question it. If the price strikes you as too high for the services that were rendered, I believe in following your gut and investigate because your insurer may offer an online price transparency tool. There are also websites that can show you the average cost by your area code. And one is uh, guru.com, but it's spelled G-U-R-O-O.com. And that, uh, that website is for 90 I mean, it's about 90 non-emergency diagnoses and procedures. And a really big discrepancy should signal that it really is time for you to ask questions. Then compare the bill to your explanation of benefits that you get from your insurer. I know years ago I would get the explanation of benefits and I just tossed it. Now I save every explanation of of benefit if I have to go to a doctor's office. And I compare it with the invoice that I get from the medical uh, facility and see if it's right. You'll often find that even the deductibles that you were charged may not be correct. Diagnosing errors. Now, even if you don't have sticker shots, give your invoice a very uh, close read. Here are some of the common mistakes because they can be easy. You know, they may not be so easy to spot because, for example, you might be billed for services that were never performed tests that were canceled, or you might have duplicate charges. You might say, for example, you had two injections and it has the same numbers instead of just one. So if you have one or more frequent errors, uh, you really do need to uh, contact both your insurer and the supplier, as I said. Uh, Another thing that happens often is you might be billed separately for items that are supposed to be under one umbrella. For example, if you had a tonsillectomy and an adenoid removal, that 
is normally billed as one procedure, but you might get billed for two. How do you remedy the problem? So back to what I was saying. When you spot that error, ask the billing department to start a formal dispute. You want to always put your concerns in writing, and you want to include any documentation you have and request that the provider support its claim as well. Then notify your insurer because they can be a good ally because the company would be on the hook for part of the charge if you don't step up. Now, typically, you don't have to pay for disputed charges until the investigation is complete, but make sure to pay all the rest of the bills and respond promptly to all billing communications because you do not want these charges sent to collections, which is a very real risk. As I said, 19% of all um, reports to collections are from medical. It's the highest of anything, and the average amount of the collection is only $579, but it goes on your record. Now, the government is looking at a 180-day grace period before adding medical debt to credit reports, but now there's no official grace period. So until that law is approved, we're still on the hook. So you should be able to resolve most disputes on your own, but if you've been fighting for no avail for more than a month or six weeks, you might consider hiring a medical billing advocate to work on your behalf, especially if it's a really big bill. Some of them will do it for a fee, something uh, maybe around uh, you know, an hourly rate of $50. Others want a percentage, but it could be pocket change compared to what you might owe otherwise, and you don't want to ding to your credit score report. So give your bills a checkup and make sure that there are no medical billing errors because they are common and costly. Well, thanks for being great listeners and allowing me into your week, uh, your week and your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I like being your personal growth life coach and helping make your dreams come true and giving you lots of information that hopefully you can use every day of your life. For information about booking a consultation, visit star-style.com. You can always call our offices, 925-377-STAR. To make a donation to keep the show on the air, to Be The Star You Are charity, bethestaryouare.org, bethestaryouare.org, completely tax deductible. And until we celebrate again together next week, keep this in mind, love always wins, kindness always prevails. Smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. I hope you have a great seven days. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. Wishing you the best of the week. Until next time. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestaryouare.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. 
Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You.